All right. Well, hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of From the Field. I'm Will Haverkamp. And I'm Joe Jurisic. And our guest today is Marshall Dirks. He is Director of Marketing and Public Relations for Proven Winners. Uh, he has a combined 25-plus years of horticulture experience and marketing as well. Um, his job is to directly create awareness of the Proven Winners brand, um, including developing and maintaining a consistent, recognizable image. Marshall also manages uh, Proven Winners advertising and marketing materials. He oversees multiple websites, social media platforms, and Proven Winners e-commerce efforts. So without further ado, Marshall, it's uh, super great. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Welcome aboard. Hey, thank you, guys. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege. I love what you guys are doing here, and uh, I love that you guys are embracing podcasting. I listen to four or five of them every single day. I fall asleep to them at night with a sleep mask and everything, so I love that you're taking this new medium and uh, employing it, and uh, happy to get uh, going here. Fantastic. Oh, and hopefully, maybe uh, after this podcast, we'll become six or seven in there, so... There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, Marshall, we'll go ahead and turn over the mic to you. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your uh, history in the green industry along, and then Will kind of alluded to your role, uh, but you know, maybe a little bit more in depth, and then also uh, the, the history behind Proven Winners. Sure. Yeah, my, my beginning in the industry really came um, sort of as a lark. Um, I, I, I grew up uh, near uh, Champaign or in Champaign, Illinois, um, uh, close to the University of I Illinois. And uh, I, I and I, there we go. All those Michigan and those Ohio State people in the industry, you know, put those guys yep. aside. You know, they got court programs, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, and probably better sports programs, but we're building, uh, but... Uh, um, you know, I, I actually had the fortune of uh, working for a Dr. Snook uh, Pataki, um, who was a plant pathologist um, at the University of Illinois. And I was actually in the cornfields as a high school student uh, vacuuming smut and rust spores off of plants wow. and inoculating things. And um, Sounds like um, job. so that was my yeah, that was sort of my first uh, foray into horticulture or agriculture or anything. And then I uh, went to college at uh, Northern Illinois University. And um, uh, one of my um, uh, uh, TAs there, um, she was doing some studies with Edward Deming and uh, TQM, Total Quality Management uh, things, and working with Motorola and so forth. And uh, Ball Seed happened to be a company that was going through that process. And um, um, I was invited in to participate uh, with that exercise with Ball. And um, when I graduated from school, um, I, you know, had a management degree and really didn't know what I was going to do. And Ball took a flyer on me. I had no plant knowledge or anything and uh, started working at uh, Ball Seed and was there for seven years. Uh, sort of during those college years, I... So I had the privilege of working for Mike and Nancy Richardson at Fox Valley mm -hmm. Growers um, out in La Fox, Illinois. And, and they were the previous directors of the Ball Hort School, um, the DuPage Hort uh, School. Um, and so they were the last directors of that. And so through that time, I just had incredible opportunities to be, you know, just rubbing elbows with industry leaders and experts. And um, after seven years of ball, um, we were starting to have a family. We had a couple of kids, and making an hour commute was getting long uh, for us. And so we decided to uh, move on. And uh, that's when the folks at Proven Winners um, began approaching me 
and asking if I'd like to uh, start doing some marketing for them. And I had zero experience in marketing, so I sort of rebuffed their uh, request uh, the first year and uh, finally got a better understanding of what they were looking for. And uh, they took a flyer on me, frankly, um, which I am eternally grateful for. Um, Again, I didn't know what an ad agency was. I was literally driving down the highway looking at best practices and trying to find an agency and so forth. Um, And so I've really learned what I've learned um, through folks in the industry who have uh, been willing to share um, their knowledge and expertise and just have been an open book for me um, because I literally have taken one marketing class in my entire life and zero horticultural uh, classes. Uh, And so it's really baptism by fire. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, um, so it's, it's been, it's been a great run. Um, we have tremendous owners of our, uh, our companies, um, and they've been huge supporters of our team and our efforts and have really given us a lot of autonomy to operate in areas that we think that are fruitful for our company and that will, um, grow the company as well. And so through their leadership and through their flexibility of letting really everybody on our team, you know, operate, and use best practices, um, we've been able to build a pretty cool thing called Proven Winners. I think so. you guys are doing it right. I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> so how many years total have you been at Proven Winners, Marshall? Yeah, so I started in 2000. So this is my 23rd year. Um, I was a second or third employee. Um, uh, John Gatos uh, began uh, our work at Proven Winners. He was a consultant. Uh, previously with uh, Tom and maybe even Henry at Force, uh, at Pleasant View. And um, he parlayed that into a job with Proven Winners. And, um, and then Pat, Patty Williamson uh, has been working alongside John. And then I came along as well. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a yeah, great, fun time. You've been awarded some incredible opportunities. That's uh, a pretty cool track record. Yeah. So. Well, and it just it, like you know, we we always talk about on the podcast and and folks that listened before, just like the, the mentorship and just the, like you know, salt of the earth people that that make this industry that are willing to share. Like we were just talking about a little bit ago. I mean, that's that's how you learn. I mean, sure, of course, you know, uh, college and continue continue education is key. But I mean, the best way to learn is is hands on by someone, and and they they've learned through their own uh, trial and error. So you're picking up like an enhanced version of how they do it, and you can take it and make it better. So. Uh, yeah, that's just yeah. another another reason why I don't think I'll ever leave the industry. So, yeah, agreed. <laughs> awesome. Um, let's uh, let's dive a little bit more into um, proof of winners. Um, let's go uh, let's go high overview. I mean, because you you guys are all over, mm-hmm. and then you guys are also across the. Uh, I mean, like you're global, you're worldwide. Yes. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, proven winners was you know really started from this this notion of um, you know having a better plan, and you know it was sort of you know if you're thinking of aha moments when I was sitting with an agency um, when I finally found out what an agency was for heaven's sakes, um, they said, well, what is your product differentiation? You know, how are you different in the marketplace? And I started telling them about our process of how plants were introduced and, and that we don't own our plants, that we're relying on breeders to bring our plants and just going through the process of how plants were traditionally introduced in the industry and how so many plants were lost. And, um, you know, the, the guys at Proven Winners 
really said, you know, let's create a brand where we're deciding here are these plants. We're going to trial these. We're going to run them through the rigors because we, we know that the consumer is looking for a better plant, that killing plants is not what they want to do. And that's really started with that, you know, the statement of, you know, a, a better garden starts with a better plant. Um, and when you started talking to people about it, it really resonated with folks uh, because unlike any other product that you have, whether it's a computer or a phone or a car, intrinsically, we, we, we blame the product when it fails. You know, it's so much that the industries have had to put fail proofs in there. Like, uh, I never dropped my phone in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they said, did you ever get it wet? Well, now they have to put a slip in the back and they can actually tell if you dropped it in the toilet, right? Because we all lied oh, about it. And so we blame our, our computer. I never downloaded anything and no malware or whatever the case. And I, I drive the speed limit and I never take hard turns and I don't use my brakes. And so, you know, all those tracking devices are now in place and they tell us what has been done. And what I saw when people failed with plants they weren't blaming the plant. They were blaming themselves. And it was an aha moment of, oh my goodness, they don't realize that all plants are not the same. And that's what the owners of Proven Winners really said, that there is a differentiation, that we see it in our trials. We see this every day in our greenhouses, that not all plants are the same. Not every single petunia or every budley or whatever is the same, that there are ones that are better. And so we started really promoting that and, you know, using that as that tagline of a better garden starts with a better plant, which has led to the, you know, growth of the line of like-minded people who, you know, we started with annuals, but then, you know, the folks at, at Spring Meadow had a whole bunch of shrubs yeah. that they felt were better and were unique. Um, and so, you know, we brought um, our, our friends at, at Color Choice uh, Shrubs on board. Then the next thing was perennials in our perennial program, and then caladiums, and then trees, and now our leaf joy houseplants. Um, so all in all, we've got about, I think, 2,200 plants um, across all those categories. Um, but it really starts out, is this plant as good or better than anything in the marketplace? Um, and if so, it's going to earn that badge of becoming a, a proven winner's plant. Um, you know, it's no longer good enough to just introduce a new plant. Uh, and so, you know, it has to solve a problem uh, or it has to meet a need in the marketplace that is currently not there. And so those are a couple of the hallmarks that as we sift through the lenses of rejecting a plant, because, you know, when a breeder brings us their plant, um, it's their child, right? They're in love with it. They've, they've, they've seen it grow. They've, they've seen it modified. They, they've, they've seen it. It's the 12th reiteration of the same plant. And they're super proud of it. Um, and yet when they bring it to us, we're going to still run it through our trials. Uh, and it's hard to say no to, to plants, um, but we, we have to be really strict on that. And so each year we only introduce, you know, 30 or 40 different plants. Um, Is that combination uh, annuals, perennials, shrubs, all three kind of? Yeah, I would say probably 30 annuals and perennials, depending on the year, uh, might be another 20. And then, you know, shrubs will introduce uh, a bunch as well. So maybe 100 uh, new plants every year. And usually it's a net gain. So we drop about 100 plants, oh, okay. plants that need to be retired who or plants that have been re, uh, improved. Um, and so we have a great team, you know, led by, you know, Kevin Hurd. Um, and Jim Putnam from the annual standpoint of having a genetic roadmap. And, 
you know, if you don't have a plan for it, you know, every plant you're going to, you know, you're going to bring on board, but these have to fit into the genetic roadmap that these guys have set out. And then our, our, our licensees, they also have genetic roadmaps uh, for things that they want to introduce that are solving problems um, or being an improvement for a disease or, or something um, drought tolerant, or maybe for us, you know, Southern plants are our big target for us right now is we want more plants that perform well in the, in the South and in the sure. West as those markets continue to yep. grow. And, you know, primarily our plants have been, you know, well-known in the Northern and, and Mid-Atlantic uh, markets. And so we see opportunities to grow it. And so that changes sort of our criteria uh, for the plants that we bring on. So, so that's sort of a, a, a little over overview of where we're at and where we're headed. That's fantastic. I mean, that's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. I think uh, some folks just a lot that people do not see. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Just took the words right out of my mouth. That's perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we actually uh, just completed uh, a, um, a content um, creators uh, roundtable um, uh, last month, and um, uh, you know they they used to be called influencers, right? And now they're no longer called influencers, content creators. Uh, and so we brought about twenty of them in, flew them in all over the country, and had them come out to our facility and you know our our warehouse facility and our office facility. There's no plants here, basically. Yeah. And um, we really wanted to share with them um, how a plant came to be. And uh, after surveying them following the conference, it was just a two-day conference with them. Overwhelmingly, you know, that behind the scenes, the understanding, the appreciation of how rigorous it is for a plant to become a proven winner's plant is what they walked away with appreciating that it's not just, you know, just another plant that is being introduced because some breeder brought it to us or something that there is so much effort, um, you know, for an annual it could be two to three years for a perennial it might be seven years of trialing for a shrub. It could be 10 years of trialing and for a tree even longer. Um, and so these decisions are not made lightly and they, you know, we, we kill more plants than we introduce for sure. <laughs> Um, and, uh, um, and so what, what they walked away with was a deep appreciation for that process, even though they don't understand all the, the, you know, the, the innuendos there. Um, but when they go and talk to their audiences, they feel that they have much more confidence knowing that this is something that they can have confidence in because they have a little bit of background that's a proven winner's plant. It's, as they say, you aren't introducing losers. Uh. Headline. Yeah. Where's, the, where's the fancy button to click where we got to take that one? You, you know, drum yeah. roll, right? <laughs> well, I I know that that um, you know that's one of the things I think about these kind of um, discussions can help to educate people, um, you know, and help people get to know and understand even just brands as a whole. You know, like there, like you say, there is so much that goes mm -hmm. into um, you know a couple of years, you know, for each plant and you know, rigorous uh, testing, that sort of thing. Unfortunately, some have to go to the wayside for the for the right plant to come to the, you know, come to the showcase, if you will, and be called a proven winner plant. But at the end of the day, for retail, for, you know, for wholesale, either one for a contractor that's installing that plant, the, the peace of mind to know that what you're installing and what you're planting in your garden is going to work, you know, and you guys have done the, the legwork to make sure that that happens once it gets into their hands. So, you know, I think that's super important for anyone for, you know, whether it's retail or wholesale, that they understand the process behind uh, what a brand does to create perfect and great plants that are going to survive and do well in your landscape. 
Well, and I think your test is not just letting it sit out in a lot somewhere. I think you can you can you you know, and I know maybe some of this uh, you know hidden secrets uh, kind of deal. Uh, but could you just maybe just a, a couple tests that you run through? Because uh, you know, as, as a grower, putting myself in, in those shoes, like you know, what what are they really doing? Like you know, then how can I mimic that in my own field to make sure it, it would work for me? Can you you know talk a little bit about that testing process? Yeah, you know, it it all begins with what problem are we trying to solve, right? You know, and so for instance, on a hydrangea, um, you know, I haven't done this testing, but what I've heard uh, has been done is, you know, stem hardiness uh, or or you know, strength is is a key thing, and you know, at so one of the unique things I think that Proven Winners has done a really good job, and our trial managers and everybody who's touching these plants. They're not just con consumed with helping a grower be successful. They're looking at, will a retail be successful? Is this a presentable plant? You know, does it have a nice V habit that makes a consumer want to buy that plant? Does the flower on a petunia or, or a calabacoa, does it lay back on itself? And if it does, it's probably less likely to be consumed by a, by a, a gardener because it looks sloppy um, and there's no rigidity in that flower and it doesn't hold itself up well after a watering. So then it sort of looks like it's flopping and then people tend to overwater those plants. You know, they try to nourish those plants along. And so I remember when our folks were uh, uh, at Spring Meadow were working on hydrangeas and they really, you know, were talking about, you know, these varieties that were just flopping consumers' yards. You know, they did great big white, you know, hydrangeas and after a rainstorm they were, they would see that they were all laying down in people's lawns. Um, and so they, they set out and said, hey, we need to do something about this. Um, and so one of the things, and I'm sure they did many things, but one of the things that I was aware of is they grew all their um, hydrangeas pot tight and they grew them the entire season pot tight. And um, at the end of the season, they literally pulled out the plant and they didn't care about the color of it. They didn't care about the foliage. They didn't care about anything other than could that plant stand up by itself? And those that passed that initial screening then moved on to that next process because that's where they, they knew that they could bring the colors and the foliage and all the hardiness and the remontency and all the other attributes that we want in, you know, hydrangeas. But they wanted to start with, you know, something that, you know, had strong stems. And that's really what led to Incredible. Instead of having an Annabelle that fell over in everybody's yard, or, you know, and it, and, it, and it wasn't just a problem that was happening at the consumer level. It was happening in garden centers that the product was laying down on the ground and flopping over. Uh, and so, you know, as those genetics continued to improve, that really led to Incredible being one of those great plants. Um, they did similar things with Budlias, you know, taking a Budlia that was, you know, eight feet tall and brought it down to something that was more manageable, that had more blooms and had more stem hardiness and things like that. And so I think all of those things, it's always looking at of can we help a grower be more successful with a more vigorous plant? I, I remember, you know, uh, uh, some of our petunias at the beginning, you know, they were rejected by other companies just because they were too vigorous. They outgrew and they made it hard for growers to pull these things yeah. apart. That was exactly what made a consumer feel that they were successful. Um, and, and, and so they wanted something that was vigorous, that didn't need a ton of feed or that didn't, you know, put out a, a seed pod early. You know, when we looked at Lobularia, you know, Alyssum back in the day, you know, Alyssum was a product that you planted early April and it was dead by June 1st because it couldn't take the heat. Lobelia, those types of things. And so breeding in and working with breeders who, who understood those criterias 
for heat tolerance and, and a plant that we can have from spring to frost was really a different concept for a lot of people. A lot of people bred plants to satisfy growers so that growers were successful, but our team really looked at it across the whole spectrum and said, we want growers. Growers may not be that successful with some of our stuff as it may be a little bit wild on the annual side, um, but if you can grow it and uh, change your growing methods a little bit, the consumer will ultimately be that much more successful and that's what's gonna give them the confidence to wanna come back and purchase that plant again. Um, so. So those are just some of the, the things through the years that I've noticed that our team is just dogmatic about yeah. making sure it's truly a better plant. And it can go for disease. It can go for, you know, early flowering. So we've seen this notion of, you know, the spring seasons are shorter yeah. or people are wanting to get into the greenhouse or the garden center in early April or late April as, as the environment continues to warm up. The seasons are changing a little bit. So that's meant for us on the annual um, and even on hydrangeas, we're selecting varieties that are blooming earlier or are less sensitive to daylight um, or they're daylight neutral. Um, and you don't have to trick them in things. Um, and so um, unlike our friends down in Australia, who I was talking to our, our licensee down there last night, actually, you know, it's full winter, uh, summertime for them and they sell most of their product in green still. They're not selling a product in color. But for us, it has to be sold in color. And, and our friends have been selecting and, and forcing perennials and shrubs, and people are putting up forcing houses so that they have color in May. Uh, and then it's our job to inform the consumers that just because that was in color in May, you bought it in May, that's not when it usually flowers. It's going to flower in July in your yard. And that's our job to educate. But we know that it's difficult for them to shop in July. So you know, what are the tricks to make that product better? And so that's changed the, the breeding criteria as well, um, you know, to, to suit the marketplace. Marshall, I got a question and, and everything, you and you're, oh, this is great. And everything yeah. that you're talking about, there, there's a common theme of, all right, what problem are we trying to solve? I know I mean, people are very good at pointing out problems. How, how do you capture all the problems? Who are the problems coming from? And then like, yeah. like right, which problem do you tackle in which year? I mean, that, that seems like a very daunting process, you know? Yeah. You're trying to solve the world's problems, and of course with plants, which thank God we're dealing with, but, you know, how, sure. does, how, does, how does all of that just work? Yeah, I would, you know, I, I say our offices is, uh, our office here in DeKalb is, is really a listening device um, because we don't have plants here. Um, we may not all be passionate growers or gardeners or retailers or whatever the case may be. But through our platforms, whether it's social media or our online feedback site, I mean, um, you know, last last year, you know, 20 some thousand questions we answered and um, 78,000 people requested a catalog off of our website. So I don't know the last time you guys actually requested a paper catalog from a company. You know, I usually <laughs> I usually call those guys back and say, get me off your mailing list. But people request uh, to be on our list. And when they ask to receive that, we say it's completely free. But here are 18 or 20 questions that we want to learn from you. Um, and, and one of the questions is, what are your gardening problems? What are you struggling with? Um, and so they give us that information. And, and every time we do a survey, you know, we can do a survey tonight and we'll get about 8,000 responses. 
And for every single question we write, we always leave an open answer. You know, one of our latest ones was, you know, what month of the year do you typically buy houseplants? So we listed all 12 months, right? Well, we left open one space, you know, for people to just write in other or whatever the case may be, because that's our practice. And would you believe it that we had like 1,700 or 2,000 people who wrote an answer that was different than January, February, you know, one of those months. And they said, hey, I typically don't choose a month. I don't think about that way. Or, or when I buy a, a houseplant, it's because I'm gifting it. And so depends on when someone's birthday is or when an anniversary. So it has little to do with the month. It has to do what's going on in my life. And that was an aha moment for our team to say, hey, how can we reposition this that is not maybe just about the plant, but it's about why they're choosing to purchase that yeah. plant, why they're screening their house during COVID, why they want small plants or why they want a big plant or whatever the case may be. And so through all the different devices that we have for listening, that's what we pride ourselves in being able to listen in our trial managers and our growers. And there's always feedback. And it's the reason why we send plants out to everybody so that they're well aware of what we've got coming out for the coming year so that they can experience with that plant because they can't take a risk any longer. They just can't bring every plant in. So we want them to have that experience for a full year um, ahead of the season that that plant is actually introduced. Um, and so those are just some of the things that, you know, we try to do to meet customers' needs, constantly listening. And so I literally have a report that I get every single morning that shows me the top 50 words that were typed down our website last night and in our, in our feedback and in emails or whatever. And the reason why I do that is, you know, back, I don't know, 12 years ago or something, all of a sudden, the word of the day was neonics. Oh, yeah. Neonicnatory. And, like, I didn't even know what the stinking word was. I couldn't spell it. I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure I know. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw Will churning a little right. bit there. <laughs> but that happened during Cultivate. And all of a sudden, on social media, someone said, stop buying Proven Winners plants because they, do n they can't say that they no longer use neonics or whatever the case and so there was a concerted effort of a group of people who pounded our website and went after proven winners and say, return all your bee bombs, return everything. Um, and, and that was a, a great opportunity for us to educate people what was being done with neonics. It was a good opportunity for us to see how, you know, we would respond to that and how to, you know, continue or, or stop using that. And, and over time, you know, getting that out of our system because it was an argument we weren't going to win. Right. You know, people either believe it killed the bees or it didn't kill the bees. Uh, and so by listening and having that as, as an opportunity, we can avoid issues very, very quickly and address things um, and respond to things um, and then develop content that talks about that. So sustainability is one of those things that we're working on now is, you know, people want to know that there's a cause or there's a reason why they should buy the plant, not just because it's pretty or it meets a need. Yeah. But many younger people want to know that they're helping and it's helping in some other ways. Uh, and so we need to do a better job of communicating that message. So we first got to find out what we're doing already in those areas um, so that we can educate people. Otherwise, people assume we're doing nothing. Um, and so those are different things that, you know, as we listen to people, 
um, whether it's a grower or a retailer or a landscaper or a wholesaler or a consumer, we have different platforms for gathering that and then being able to respond. That's incredible. I, my, my question that was burning for me is, is, okay, so you're taking all these polls, you're obviously getting amazing feedback. Um, what, what, what did it take to create that network? Just, yeah. 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 So it really came with giving them something, you know, and so we said, hey, give us, you know, um, you know, we, we want to give you this free idea book. Um, you know, we know people are looking for um, ideas on how to utilize our plant material. Um, but I would say it's it's um, gardeners are passionate. Uh, they want to share information. They want to talk about their garden. And if we can uh, develop that relationship and a trust that, um, I, I, you know, we started this way back in 2000 when I saw Hershey's do this. Okay. Hershey's um, M&Ms came in four colors, right? They were red, yellow, green, and orange or something. Yeah, brown, black, <laughs> You know, and they had always done their internal research and that their internal research group and their, you know, product development team would determine the next reiteration of the M&M or the next color or whatever. And in this instance, I don't know how they decided it. They went to the consumer and said, name the next color and we will produce it. And it was just eye-opening for all industries of here industries have usually kept their new products under wrap and key and it's a proprietary and no one's going to know it until we introduce it but here was a major major company who said you know what here's an opportunity to listen to our consumers and you know what they pick blue that was not even on hershey's <laughs> realm it wasn't even on their map and blue from our research, you know, we've been asking consumers for 23 years what their favorite flower color is. Because I don't know. And I am 83% of our customers are female. I don't represent that, you know, group of folks very well. In fact, I bought for 12 years the wrong flower color for my wife for Valentine's <laughs> Day. She flowers. <laughs> and it wasn't until my 12-year-old daughter said, hey, mom really likes peach colored flowers, not red. Uh, and so I happen to be also running an ad for Proven Winners um, in a magazine. We're gonna be in Martha Stewart and Better Homes and Gardens and major majors, a million dollar buy awesome. across many ma magazines. And we were introducing this brand new double impatia Rocapulco red. And we had this great vase that was very, um, ornate um and it looked fabulous and i um i put it out there and the consumer didn't respond very well to it and we put a one we put one with purple and pink flowers on it and it was just through the moon and that became our first national plant of the year our national recipes of the year based on that feedback of really you know willing to change and listen and so through that network of folks who are willing to respond we always have to tell them what were the results. And we only ask a question if we're willing to take action on it. We're not asking the question to just amplify or say that, oh, that, that confirms what we wanted. Only if we're willing to take action on that uh, question will we ask it. 
Otherwise, there's no purpose in asking it. Um, and they know it and we know it. Um, and so if we're willing to make a decision on that and we're looking for their feedback and genuine, then it's something that we can share and say, hey, thanks for voting on this and voting on our national plans of the year or, or whatever the case may be. So growers have voted on our national plans of the year. Our, re our recipes are, are, are vetted out for our hanging baskets and upright containers by a network of, of, of growers who, um, you know, grow a lot of them. And so we want it to work for them. And they also come up with ideas that maybe we should employ as well. And so it's really trying to work hand in hand with folks um, so that we have something. You know, we used to have a, a program, you know, it, it used to infuriate retailers when retailers would tell me that if they had only known a product was going to be featured in Better Homes and Gardens, that they could have responded to mm -hmm. that. And that was frustrating as a retailer. You know, someone brings in a magazine and I don't have yeah, that plant. This. And I would. Yeah. Yeah. And so we started, you know, develop, we started developing that national plant of the year of here are those plants that will be publicized, ads are running and so forth, so that the retailer at least had those plants in mind, that those are the ones that we run in our print ads. But it was all based on feedback from retailers saying, you know what, it's frustrating when I don't have the plant and I can't serve the customer. And it looks like the retailer is saying it looks like I was out of the loop. I'm in this industry and I didn't know that was publicized, but the editors, they didn't want to tell us what they were going to write about. So we had to leapfrog those guys and say, hey, you know, editors, we know you're going to protect your stories. We know that you want something exclusive. You don't want all play talking about the same plant and that's fine. But when we run ads and when we do pushes for certain varieties, we're going to be able to tell the industry what those items are. What are those national plants? What are going to be featured in our Gardener's Idea book and our Gardening Simplified brochures so that the whole industry is better prepared and better equipped to meet the needs of the customer? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's all one big connected network, honestly. I mean, yeah, you, you're, you don't want to, uh, what do they say, you know, spite one hand to the other. I don't know. I lost whatever I'm saying to say, but you know where I'm trying to get at. It's, it's, it's a one big team. And if, yeah, if the editors mm -hmm. are putting stuff out and, and the retailers don't have it, that's missed opportunity. We, everyone yeah. in this industry knows you make hay when the sun's shining, and you have very short windows. I mean, even up here uh, in, in the you know, Illinois market, since you're DeKalb, we didn't really have much of a yep. spring. It was cold. It was cold and rainy. People mm -hmm. were inside. I mean, you know, red buds were popping back up for sale in midsummer. I mean, that all those, you know, magnolias, red buds, all the fun stuff that normally goes right out the door sat there because guess what? No one was around. They are all inside. Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just... It, it, it's such a, but you know, if it, you had a couple of good days, good, you're able to move them. It is, just, it's so quick. This industry is so fast. It, it moves so fast. Yeah, and I, I think to your point, you know, one of the things that you know, as proven winners, you know, we don't have, you know, gobs of resources, right? You know, um, uh, people might think that we do, but really, we're a small company, um, and we have to use every single pen penny really wisely and so all those licensing fees and those royalty fees that are, are paid and collected through the sales of those plants you know you know half of that goes to the breeders because they are working on those genetics for us and then you know it goes into marketing and one of the key things is how do we use those things responsibly and so one of the things that we did because of you know bad springs you know like you mentioned you know last spring here in the, the midwest it got a very, very late start. And so what we actually did with all of our, our billboards and, and not all of our billboards, we had static and some digitals, 
But there was an opportunity to work with, you know, our billboard vendor and say, hey, could we have weather triggered ads? You know, because no one wants to see a snowblower ad when there's no snow on the ground. It's a waste of resources and it's a message that doesn't yeah. resonate and it makes the marketer look like they're foolish yeah, as well. And so we partnered with this, uh, our billboard vendor and said, hey, here are the thresholds, you know, and 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 one of the interesting things is I had been to a, a presentation um, um, uh, that was being presented to Gatorade a number of years ago, and Gatorade struggled with having too much product in the stores at the wrong time or not having it in their warehouses and able to meet demand. And what they were looking at is they were looking at weather spikes. And so if it was 100 degrees in Texas, they would move a bunch of product over there and hope that people would buy it and want it. And what they found out is one day of 100-degree weather did not move the needle. What moved the needle was three days of 100 degree of weather where people were talking about, oh, it's gonna be hot, we better stock up, we better prepare. And the same thing happens with gardening. If you got one great day in April, you might have some people come by and kick the tires and buy a few things and they move, those are the people who move the product in and out of the garages and put it outside and inside, <laughs> outside and inside. But, but, but when you get three or four days of great weather, that's when the crowd is going to come. And, and so how could we make sure that our billboards and our digital advertising would reflect the weather trends across the nation to better impact and better be useful and so that we're wisely spending those dollars that people are giving to us as a result of purchasing our plants so that we're investing that adequately and not wasting anybody's money. That, that it is. And so those are things that we do and think about every single day of how do we better create a better plant and a better use of our dollars to meet somebody's needs. That's what drives us every single day. I think that right there, that's a selling point to material. I mean, and I'm just not, you guys are doing the research. I mean, at landscape hub, we go through the same thing. We, we are, you know, we are watching the market. We are watching what's going on. We're, we're listening to feedback again, going like what you were saying, you're getting in, uh, you know, Hey, this works. Hey, this doesn't, I, I'd rather do this. We're getting the same and we're trying to take it all in and, and move quickly on it. And yeah. you guys are next level. I mean, like just going that far in you know, across yeah. the country. I mean, that's 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 awesome. I mean, oh, that's, that's incredible value for all of your customers. True. I mean, yeah, both yeah. sides of the of the of the token. Yeah, that's amazing. Marcy, yeah. You hit all the nails on the head, man. That's awesome. <laughs> um, well, you guys do some pretty amazing things as well. So we appreciate everything that you guys they, do. It goes hand in hand. With same sentiment over here. Uh, I know something that is. Um, always on kind of top of mind is, is the next generation um, of gardeners. You know, we're, we're mm -hmm. living in a very digital changing world. COVID completely flipped the script on a lot of things. What, what are you guys seeing? What, you know, what, what trends, you know, where, where's it going to go? Uh, you know, I, I had a couple conversations with some colleagues and, you know, a lot of folks went like this. A lot of folks said, ah, I don't know about plants. And then other folks were like, plants are the new thing. Like, you know, it's like, it totally depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, it does. So, so from, from the experts, who, who is the new generation of gardeners and what do they want? Yeah, I think that the new generation of gardeners messaging is important. It's not that, you know, everything, it's that you care. They, they don't want to kill the plants. And it's just the pet industry 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I mean, you used to, you know, take your dog to the vet once. Now dogs and cats visit vets more frequently than people visit hospitals. Mm -hmm. 
An entire industry was developed on on pet care and checkups and all sorts of things to comfort and to reward your pets and things like that. And this new generation of folks, it's it's not how much you know about that plant. Yes, they want that back knowledge, you know, like they want to know about their craft beer and things like that. But they really want to know that there's someone there who cares. And so that is one of the important things when people call our office, you know, about 40% of the questions that we get are not related to proven winners plants. They're related to other items that they're struggling with. And, you know, they know that we're going to respond. I mean, every single day we get questions in and our, you know, we respond to 90 some percent of the questions within the first 24 hours and half of them we answer within the first eight hours of them writing us and that's thousands so we literally employ six to seven hundred hours of people just to answer people's questions and 40 percent of them are not related to proven winners and we win if at the end of the day they feel like they have a friend at proven winners and it's not just you know i know there's lots of automated you know technology and artificial information that can be done and you know put out you know quick answers and texting uh, devices and things i know you can shop out your you know your your feedback line i know you can use social media and allow you know your customers to answer your questions but we've chosen not to take that route we've chosen to internalize that and answer all those questions because we believe that when people feel cared for they will buy your product more. And, and so we want to surprise, delight, and serve. And some servitude is one of our big hallmarks of serving our customers better than anybody else. Um, and we know that they bought the plant or received the plant as a gift um, and that it's special to them and they don't want to kill it. And yet when they struggle with it, they want some help. Uh, and so that's where you see the plant moms and you see all this young generation, you know, I, I gave my uh, daughter some house plants, and uh, I knew that people were sort of naming their plants and their house plants and things like that. And after three days, I, I asked her, you know, so do you have names for my for those those plants? She said, Dad, I don't know them yet, and I don't know if I'm going to kill them, <laughs> and so I'm not going to name them yet. Like, oh my gosh! Not only have I never named a plant. I've never thought about, you know, if I'm going to kill it and should I invest more time. Uh, and so what we see, you know, people doing is, you know, they're not talking about things over the fence any longer. They're involved with different plants that maybe their parents or grandparents were involved with. And particularly for houseplants, that's definitely the case. Um, and so we see this, you know, this new generation really flourish because, as you mentioned, plants are everywhere. They're in hotels. They're in movies. There's probably not a week that goes by that someone doesn't, you know, do a screen capture of, oh, I saw Proven Winners on HGTV, or I saw them on the news, or I saw them installed at McDonald's, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and so we do definitely see plants everywhere. And so I think, you know, our challenge is, is how do we get more local information and more diverse information? Diversity is something that lacks in our industry, mm -hmm. frankly. You know, there's not a lot of diversity. Uh, and those are things that are near and dear to our hearts as if we want to grow this market, you know, there's a diverse group of folks who use plants or want to use plants and need to know more about plants. Uh, and there are some challenges that I think our industry needs to be taking a, a better stance in that area uh, if, if we all want to grow this market uh, because 
there is not a lot of diversity at our trade shows. There's not a lot of diversity elsewhere. And, and I think there is a great opportunity for that. And certainly the folks who are involved with houseplants, they're very diverse. And there is a lot of other diversity in content creators, um, as we're finding out as we explore it more. But if you don't have that mindset, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss out on those niches and those opportunities. And so there is, you know, a lot of things. And so those are things that we're trying to work on, diversity as well as local knowledge. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, some of the successful people on social uh, media have been, you know, with big landscapes or big houses and things like that. And there's this whole group of people who may not even own a house, you know, or have a small garden or their garden is on a rooftop or a balcony or something. And so... How do we make sure that we have content that can reach each of those areas? And someone who might use a shrub and has never, no intention of ever planting in the ground, it's going to go in a container. So how do you help someone be successful? And just because you and I would not put a budley in, a, in something and we paid a lot of money for it, that's not their motive. They want the beauty. They want to attract pollinators and they want to do it right in the space that they're enjoying. And it happens to be on a balcony. So how do we help them be successful and think about it's just a plant. It's not a shrub. It, it's not an annual. It's not a print. Those, those words mean nothing to that audience. It's about enjoyment and bringing things to their life and experiencing plants in a way that perhaps you and I do not do. Mm -hmm. So bringing on people who understand that, who are talking that language, who are practicing that is something that we're working hard to make sure that that audience who is partaking in those trends and are thinking about multi-purpose. You know, one of the things that we've introduced, you know, is Christmas caladiums. Because we've all heard people talk about, you know, poinsettias, they dry off. It's a one and done. No one makes any money on them and so forth. So could a caladium work during that time frame? You know, and so those are different types of programs that our group continues to bring up and push because we think that plants are plants are plants. And how we choose to use them may change based on who is using them. And we have to be sensitive to that. Yeah, I, I will agree. Like, you know, and talking with non-horticultural friends and how they view plants and what they mean to them, it's completely different to me. I mean, it, it's it's a 180. And I'm talking to them and they just sit there blank staring at me like, like, and then they're just like, well, yeah, my grandma had, I held this near deer. She had it here. So I had to get this. And like, it's, it, it could be like, I could look at a picture and it could be a completely different plant, but it's something that she associated with her grandma. So that's now her and her grandma's plant together, even though you know, grandma might, might not be around. So it, it is interesting to see how people correlate and, and interact with horticulture on different levels. Indeed. Yeah. I, I see, obviously, well, just listening to you, um, uh, I will say, uh, Marshall, you've come a long way in your 20 years. You might have been green when you started, but it sounds like you know what you're doing now. Um, so, <laughs> but anyways, it, like a lot of what you were just talking about, it really puts you know proven winners in a in a seat of being a, a true leader and a visionary uh, for the green industry when it comes to plants. And I sincerely appreciate that. I think those were things that I didn't know before our conversation today. So that's something that I truly admire. Um, and you know, it helps me rally behind your brand even that much more, you know, um, it's pretty cool. So, uh, I've been enlightened today and I appreciate it. And I, I guess, you know, one of the things that, um, one of my questions that was, that I came up with earlier was we have a lot of, uh, obviously our audience is heavy, uh, contractors as well. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the benefits for a contractor using proven winter material? 
Yeah, I think one of the things is, you know, we've really been blessed with, um, you know, particularly on, on the shrubs and the perennials is, um, you know, um, it's, it's not a network per se, but the number of growers who have been able to um, grow our product has been, you know, huge. Uh, and, and I really love the decision that Spring Meadow made with signing up licensees who were, um, instead of everything coming from the West Coast or coming from the South or whatever, they, they strategically, you know, allowed certain licensees to self-propagate and produce pro product in a local marketplace which was huge, which really allowed the brand to really expand because in the past, you know, you might get that one shipment from the West Coast or whatever, but when you wanted to refill it, you didn't have enough product to fill that truck again. And right. and you you got all this product all at once. And so it really wasn't conducive to refilling, restocking, and meeting contractors' needs, you know, because, uh, you know, a large job could wipe you out of all your use or all your boxwood or something like that. Um, and so... This notion that um, creating this um, network of growers who believe in the brand, who are uh, reproducing that product in a local area. And so for a landscape contractor, you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves in is the availability of our product. Um, right. that, that you can find it almost everywhere. Um, and it's, it's hard to walk into a place without it. Secondly is that there's demand for this product. And I think landscapers that I've talked to and, and folks that we interact with and the orders that we see in our little e-commerce, you know, uh, website, you know, about 10 or 12% of the orders are from customers who are landscaping. We know they are because they're buying, a, you know, they're buying 20 boxwoods or 20 hydrangeas or something like that. And so back in the day, the landscapers, I think, were and the architects were primarily the driving decisions of the plants that were going to be used in those environments. And now what has changed, I think, is consumers are saying, I want to have limelight. I want to have pugsters. I want to have X, Y, Z. I saw my favorite influencer using that. I've got to have that. I trust it. It worked great. I'm in that environment, a local influencer, whatever the case may be. And so I think, you know, for a contractor, that one that they can trust that it's going to be a darn good plant, right? Because we've trialed it and we've trialed it all over the nation. Um, secondly, that there's going to be great availability. And then third, that there's going to be some demand for it based on a consumer. They're asking for those new items because back in the day, it used to take forever to introduce a new product. You know, local growers and landscapers, their reputation is on the line every single time they do an installation. And that's a really unique situation. And so what are they going to use? They're going to use plants that they're most comfortable with and that they've used before. And so how do you get them to switch to the new genetics? Yeah. When they, when they don't grow that product, they're just buying that product in and securing that product. And so being able to create that environment where that they feel that they trust and that there are influencers and there are consumers that trust that product is just one more thing that a, a contractor can, you know, relax a little bit and, and say, hey, you know, I see this is coming. I, I should have that new variety, you know. You know, and just because, you know, we thought Limelight was going to be the latest and greatest new hydrangea and it did ex extremely well. But now we've got Bobo and now we've got, you know, Puffer and all these other ones that are coming along, you know, and people, I remember people saying, do we need any Spireas? Oh, Spireas are dogs. No one needs a Spirea. Well, they came up with a new vision for Spireas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that you know, until, you know, you guys wowed me with, with, with the new series. So I, like, I will put my hand back down after that. There might have been some previous childhood just sitting there pruning Spirea for yeah. you know, nonstop in the summer, but I'll put my hand oh. back down now. So, 
Exactly. And so it took someone with a, a different idea. And so a double play. So it had color and it rebloomed and it had other attributes. Um, and so um, I think I think for a landscaper that, you know, there's going to be new stuff and that they it's not really a risk for them to try it, that there's been so much work into bringing that product out with with availability, good availability um, that you know, that they be that, that they can feel successful. And I'm not saying we've never introduced a plant that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've had some of those, but when you look at, you know, our history, you know, um, you know, Aaron judge doesn't hit a home run every single time. <laughs> People think he's going to, but exactly. But he gets paid for his on base average, right. You know? Um, and so not everybody can hit home runs, but uh, we've had our fair share of them, but, but the other plants that aren't home runs, they're solid plants, and they were introduced for a reason. And, um, you know, we hope that people can trust us well, about smart. That. You're educating the consumer, too, that, that about the plants. And it's not only, you know, they have some knowledge. I don't know how many times when I was a contractor trying to, um, you know, teach people about plants and what you actually installed in their landscape, how to water it, how to care for it. Those were a lot of the, the follow-up things that, that came you know, from us, I think it's fantastic that you're supporting that education of that plant, how to take care of it to directly to the consumer so that it, it supports the landscape contractor when they're doing the installation. Yeah. It's, I mean, education, education's key. I mean, that's, and that's the follow up too, like alluding to what you're saying before of being a, a trusted source, knowing that you're not just going to disappear overnight, that, that it all goes back to brand awareness, being there, you know, having a relationship and being proud of your product and having folks be proud of your product with you. That That's the happy path. You know, we, that's one of our favorite terms at Hub, <laughs> the happy path. Um, yeah, and you look at industries who are really, you know, are changing. You look at the electronics industry and Best Buy, for instance, you know, as as so much moved online and, and other things, you know, what did they introduce? They they saw that there was a big void of people who struggled with technology. And they introduced their tech services. And people have subscriptions to them, you know. And so, you know, I think there will be a day where people will pay for a subscription to help better care for their plants. And having that one-on-one -on -one person who can help me with my, my installation or when I acquire a new plant or I'm, you know, look at how many people are, are, are having a home in, a, in another area, you know, or they're buying our uh, Airbnb house for an investment. And they're gardening in an area that they've never gardened before. They don't know who to yeah. trust, you know. And so there are people who are probably willing at some point to say, you know what, these are my go-to people. This is my information. Yes, there are people who are doing lots of social content. But maybe there's some sort of arrangement that, you know, provides that service, that subscription. Look at how many subscriptions everybody signed up with. Yeah. There's you know, that. you got five of them just for streaming your football games, you know, Hulu and whatever the case may be. And so subscriptions is something that is very new to our industry. And I think we people have played with it with Plant of the Month and those types of things. But if we're thinking broader and thinking about how people are engaging and why they're signing up for these things, there are some specific reasons why they're doing that. It's because somebody in the industry was, was not addressing that problem. And is that an opportunity in our industry that people might be missing, that proven winners might be sure. missing? Well, it's, it's there. I mean, it's, you know that subscriptions are, are here to stay when there are subscriptions to manage your subscriptions. So they are. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just heard of an app, uh, you know, uh, on my uh, podcast uh, that was a company that said, here's all the subscriptions yeah. and here's how to cancel all the ones that you don't yeah. even know that you still oh, have. Yeah. <laughs> There's a ton of a ton of uh, um, partners that we have and just other, you know, businesses in the industry that I know that they're moving to that model. So it's it's starting hmm. to happen. Well, it's it's a lot uh, easier. You can justify. It. You can. I mean, the main thing that in, in today's world is budget. How do you budget? I mean, what what yeah, the market's exactly. going to do? It's all what can I afford a month? And if you if you spread it out that way, because sometimes when you prevent. Uh, present an upfront cost and sticker shock but not not right now but if you're like hey you know for the low payment of you know 29.99 for the next you know whatever years but this is what you get and you provide that value people like sure i can do that i mean you can spend you know and whatever that subscription cost is you can spend probably that amount in a way worse way or on something like you know a a bad meal or whatever so i mean it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's it, pro- it provides reassurance yes. for whatever the product that you're buying. And, you know, uh, we, we launched a program a couple of years ago for our retailers. We recognized that there was a need for our retailers who were either lacking the ability to do their own you know, marketing efforts or they just didn't have the time. And they wanted to focus on their passions of growing plants, customers' care and service. And, you know, the, the social side and some of the marketing wasn't their forte. And so we created a subscription service for marketing, helping them market their business. Smart. Uh, and so I think there are definitely other opportunities for the consumer out yeah, there. That's one of the things we're actually doing uh, at Landscape Hub this year. We're launching some extra value for our suppliers and, and uh, for the sellers on Landscape Hub, helping them with some of the marketing aspects. Uh, we see that as a way to, you know, really bring uh, some extra extra lift to their business and get them, you know, their name out there. Uh, it just, it's, just, it's just smart. I mean, with the footprint that we have and being – web-based obviously we can reach anywhere um and we want to do that with our suppliers and help put them on the map and help them grow i mean that's that's one of the things we're looking to do yeah. so yeah it's all about exposure i mean a lot of the growers that we work with they want to focus on growing and they have no problem you know saying it. it's not like that's a hidden thing like well i don't want to let people know i just want to grow they just want to grow <laughs> i mean Why are you in business yeah so i mean that's yeah yeah i mean it's a, it, and you said you, you guys it, it's it's a, it's a tandem that's why we're we're ecstatic with our you know, being able to work with you, the partnership, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's all like-minded people. Like you said earlier, you know, the boat will rise. We all rise together. That's, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. we're obviously not lacking in the uh, conversation here. We've, we've, uh, we've gone uh, a little over an hour now. Uh, we typically, you know, whatever. It, it's, it was great to talk with you today. Um, I, I just want, I want to keep you going on with your day as well. So we want to hold you up, but uh, we definitely want to understand how how would an interested grower or supplier become uh, part of the Proven Winner Network? Can you tell our, our listeners that? Yeah, really, there are no stipulations in terms of volume or anything like that. You know, to be a licensee, yes, we select very specific licensees who are going to propagate, and and you know they have to have a strong genetic core. And, and wanting to bring, bring a better plant out there and then helping growers be successful in, in, in the supply chain. But really, for anyone to grow our products, um, there aren't minimums at all. You know, they can contact, you know, on the annual and the perennial side, that's all done, um, you know, in our caladiums, that's all done through, you know, brokers, um, or there are some direct accounts, obviously, that happens in some of those cases, particularly on perennials. Um, but then, you know, for our house plant line, it's a it's a finish only program. So we feel that we can grow a superior uh, house plant line 
Um, that's not necessarily always coming from outdoor production in Florida that, you know, we have a, a distinct advantage. And so that is a, a retail ready product uh, that, you know, people can contact uh, us in the, in the plant company uh, for that line. And then on, you know, our, our, our shrubs and perennials, we do have a whole list of uh, folks who are obviously carrying those products, but, you know, it's, it's, people can order a tray, you know, from us um, or, or a semi from us. <laughs> there, there really isn't a, a limitation and, um, you know, and it comes along with a hotline for you know, contacting us for, for growing that product on, but, you know, anyone can be a grower and, and we get those requests. You know, I just had a cousin, you know, pass on to me someone who's in central Illinois who's opening up a little shop and they want to be a grower of pro- Proven Winners product. And they said, how much do we have to grow? And I said, as as much or as little as you want. We want you to be successful with choosing the right plants that will suit your business. Um, and um, so certainly from that standpoint, all those, um, you know, hurdles are, are gone. We don't have you know, those. And so, you know, talking with a, a broker rep on our annual and perennial business for sure and our caladiums and then Spring Meadow takes all the, the business online, or not online, but for their line or business um, directly. Um, so they can get too. involved. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you guys, of course. So. <laughs> Indeed. Awesome. Well, Marsha, I think we're going to, uh, we're, uh, we're excited. Normally, and actually this popped up with talking with uh, Zirkle's Nursery, who d- does a fantastic job of Proven Wonders material. Um, he actually has started asking us questions, so we started incorporating that into the podcast. So, Marshall, I'm going to turn it back to you. What questions do you have for Landscape Hub, Will, and I? Yeah, I guess I would ask, since you guys have a, a better pulse than I do on the landscape side, is what is... You know, I would ask you, what is the biggest trend that you're seeing that's impacting? And then secondly is, what is something that Proven Winners needs to do that we're not doing? Oh, that's a good one. You want to start with one and I'll think on the other? <laughs> so which one should I start with? Um, start with the trends. With the trends. I think oh, for the for the landscape side, um, it all comes back to, I think, labor. How much you can get done in a certain window. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. what are the, your your uh, kind of constraints in that. I mean, designers can design an amazing landscape and like, you know, knocks your socks off, but no one can install it. <laughs> What's the point? Um, so I, I think we're seeing landscapers, you know, we're, they're really starting, I think they're actually starting to do a lot better job. And we've talked with some folks on this about qualifying their leads and, and getting into the projects that they want to do, because that's what they have the labor for. In, in addition to that, they they are really working hand in hand with the um, with their client to see what their needs are. I mean, they're they're getting at a very personal level. Whereas before, maybe you know, the conversation was, "I'd like a couple bushes installed in a tree." I'm just talking, you know, very non non industry like. Uh, and, and then we just you know throw something up. Now they're like, "Well, hey, like you know what, like kind of part of our conversation before, like, hey, are there what are your favorite colors? Where are you enjoying your space the most?" They're starting to get a lot more in depth from what I've noticed with working with, um, you know, their, their customer of how, how can we help you enjoy your landscape the most? And the, the, you know, yeah. Of course, you know, there's always different types of contractors, but the successful ones that we're seeing grow, that's what they're really getting on a, like, almost friendship level uh, and, and getting to know mm-hmm. what, what's going on. Um, and I've seen landscapers who've also taken the, the, the whole notion of, it's fun to walk around your yard, but let's go in your yeah. house. Yeah, what can we bring? And up? what sort of landscape do we see? 
you know, because that's what you're going to be sitting watching the birds and have we created a space that is just, you're loving it because you're going to look out and see it every single day, whether it's your kitchen window or your bathroom window or a living room. And so those people who are thinking, not just walking around, if a landscaper is not coming into my house, they're not getting my business. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's your, you're not wrong. I mean, how do you take your outside or your inside and translate it outside? So you get the yeah. full enjoyment instead of having, you know, kind of the separation and which is the door. Um, yeah. I mean, another trend too is just you know buying habits. Sometimes, you know, some some people are buying and holding on to material because you know you guys know there was a little bit of up and down and plant shortages with with COVID and everything like that and, and affecting growers. Uh, and some folks are are doing a lot more just you know per per ordering. I mean, or per per job. Some pe- people don't have the ability to to um, pre-order in advance. It's yeah, just in time. You know, like, right. They don't have a holding yard yeah. or anything. Yeah, well, they're buying it by the job. Schedules change mm-hmm. like crazy too. That's another thing we noticed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a big trend. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this job keeps getting pushed back for multiple reasons, and it's not. And some of it's labor, you know, and not even in, within our own industry. Like the concrete guys, they can't get in to pour, you know, the the patio, yeah. and then I can't do my plants till the patio done. And it's just, you know, it's a lot. Um, and then plant mm-hmm. trends. I think people are looking for a bit more compact, easy. I mean, columnar's still there. Yeah. Um, showy flowers people yeah, want showy, blooming over a long period. Of yeah, they time. want April That's, to yeah. December. You know, very typical stuff. Where you cash out <laughs> yeah, you no, no maintenance. Um, yeah. we don't yeah. want to water it. Uh, yeah, no, something that can grow in anything. <laughs> no, doesn't have to worry about sunlight exposure. Yeah. Um, you know all of that. So, Marshall, what can you guys? I, right. I mean, those are things that you know we've looked at. You know, easy plants. You know, tough plants. What are those tough plants that you know? Um, you know, there are people who want to baby their yard and there's people who don't want to touch their yard is to set it and forget it, you know, and, and I can understand that, you know, uh, you know, when I wasn't into biking, you know, I could buy a Schwinn, but once I started riding my bike every single day, I'm like, I need something a little bit better. Sure. I mean, this, I kind of related to uh, daylilies. I used to call them the apocalypse plant because I feel like you could take those things anywhere. You plant them in a bed of gravel and they'll live somehow. Oh, yeah. The you flower know, nice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, I I wanted to talk to your your second part of your question. Uh, you asked, is there anything that proven winners is not seeing? Uh, I what came to mind? I was sitting here thinking while Joe was talking. There is um, is helping. Um, you know, you know what we do at Landscape Hub. We're a digital marketplace for you know for the green industry to be able to find connectivity in the supply chain and be able to order with ease. So, with that in mind, like one of the biggest things is is creating that friendly relationship between digital and in person, you know, and combining yeah. the two. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges that, that we run up against is, you know, us as a marketplace working with these suppliers and helping them to be, to feel comfortable about, you know, I think that's where it comes into play where a brand like yours, that they can feel comfortable, it's going to be a healthy plant. Mm-hmm. They know that it's going to succeed in the landscape and it helps them to be, you know, um, very confident as far as it's like building buyer confidence within you know online basically but you know then it's really bridging the gap between that digital relationship and that personal relationship that they may have with that specific supplier but it's helping people to understand like a marketplace like ours is we're a partner of the supplier it's just a platform for you to place your order with ease at any time that you want and so that's really part of the we're trying to create that easy button as far as the experience of you know hey I don't have five guys sitting in the buying seat buying all this material for these upcoming jobs. I need to be able to do it quickly, efficiently, and something where I can send it directly to, you know, where I can do it off time or off hours where, 
you know, they're closed at five and now I can't get someone on the phone to place an order for the next day, you know, or two days down the road, whatever it might be when you have that time to sit down and actually place that order. So essentially that that's the thing that maybe you're not seeing is, is, is trying to bridge that gap and we could use some help <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, helping people feel comfortable with the, with the purchase online through a marketplace like landscape, landscape of, but again, like you say, your brands help out tremendously, but that's some of the things that I've been seeing and noticing. So yeah, I think it's, no, it's, it's a good point. And, and, you know, the landscape side, I would say, is something that probably Proven Winners hasn't spent a lot of time on. Spring Meadow has done a great job. And, and we've got a gentleman, Tom Ewing, who used to own a, a place out in California. He's been a huge advocate for us. Um, and so those are things that, you know, I think we want to think about how we can better do it. You know, pro- most people probably don't know we have a certified landscape program. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we've got folks who are on our team who will work with those folks. And so we've got a dozen or 20 certified landscapers who those landscapers are looking to differentiate themselves from everybody else out there. And so by, you know, if you're a uh, installer of, you know, Pella windows, you're a Pella certified person, right? And that means something to that homeowner. So that's something that we're also trying to build is that certified proven winners landscape um, you know, installer, um, so that, that, that removes that barrier from, you know, you know, a customer feeling yeah. comfortable about doing it. it seem like you're trying to remove the barrier of buying product yeah. online, you know, for those jobs and so forth. So how can we work together on removing uh, barriers? I think that's a, a really good one. And, and one of the things that, you know, we're a lot more involved with, you know, now is, um, you know, the, um, the collegiate uh, landscape competition that will be down in in Mississippi. And so we're, we're changing up how we're doing that because, you know, I went to that conference uh, several years ago and I have never walked away from a conference where 700 students have chosen that this is the industry they want to be a part of. All their family and friends say, what are you doing in landscape? There's no money there. You you know how hard you have to work. You know the hours you have to work. You know, every job is different. There's hardly any repeat customers, blah, 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 blah. And yet these students are coming and saying, this is my passion. So how does Proven Winners get behind them and say, we are the brand for you for plant material? Just as, you know, steel saws has been their, you know, tool of choice or the Kubota tractor or whatever the case may be. And so we need to do a better job of reaching and pushing so that your audience and your customers feel more comfortable with us. And so yeah. we're starting to to invest more in that area. And I think there's more things that we can do with you guys as well. Um, and we, we appreciate the nudge. Sure. I, uh, small fact, and then we'll – Marshall, you're busy, man. we got to let you get going. I participated in, in Windows Planet way back in the day. So – Oh yeah, yep, great! It was, it was a fantastic, uh, and that, that, it's a great yeah. bridge uh, for young professionals into the industry. So, but I'll just I'll, I'll end with that, Marshall. We've no. the con- the, appreciated the conversation. This has been great. I mean, it really has. I hope our listeners have really uh, dived in. I think they have. You provided a lot of insight that, I mean, like Will and I just looking at each other. It's like there's a lot that goes on at the proven winners, uh, just across the country, and what, everything that you guys are doing. I don't think folks really. Uh, comprehend how much goes into it and it was a yeah. great eye-opener today to talk with you to get to learn more about it um and as i, I i'm i love doing this I mean, this is fun so i'm just i'm, just, I'm gonna end on that this is this is just great so i'll send you some proven winners kool-aid so you're drinking the kool-aid now <laughs> it's all good yep 
Well, again, like he said, Marshall, we appreciate it. It's been great to get to know you today and uh, get to know Proving Winners even even better. Uh, it's been very enlightening, like I had already shared. And uh, we, we, like you said, we genuinely appreciate your time. Yeah. We appreciate your partnership and, and uh, look forward to uh, see how we can help our, our green industry become better in, in every aspect of our lives as we move forward uh, in time. So that's it. Amen. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll see you around. Will you be at Mance possibly next week? I will. Yeah. Yep. Let's right. come. Good. We'll Looking see you there. To it. All right. All right. All Take right. care, thanks, gentlemen. Marshall. Take care. Yeah. Bye.